going to ask Children's Church to rise and go in the nursery as well. They're all there for you waiting. We want to thank you today for joining us at Living Hope. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, what a pleasure, uh, really, truly, that it's been just um, being here, leading the congregation, hearing God's heart, getting his, his heart in regards to where he's bringing us snacks. I don't know about you, but the fall, we have a lot of great things coming. So you want to you know, make sure you don't keep yourself too busy in September, October, because there are many things that we are launching, many things that we are bringing forth. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how God is going to put it all together, because that's what he does, isn't he? Can we say amen that he knows how to put things together. So welcome those that are online to Living Hope. And we are here doing the uh, part seven. I said last week while Doug was preaching, hey, Doug, Doug, it's part eight. It's part eight. And uh, lo and behold, we are part seven. And so uh, we were part six last week. It's been a great series, don't you think? You know, doing the book of Galatians have in, has totally enlightened me in how and what God and what Jesus has done for us. And I'm hoping that you will never, ever stay at that place where you settle for less when it comes to the book of Galatians. Amen? Have you learned many things? Oh, my goodness. Have you learned many things in the book of Galatians? Only one amen. That's good. Uh, I know I learned a whole lot, so I don't know where you have been for the last six weeks, but I'm understanding that this, t- this, this series was here for a reason and for a season. Amen? And so today we're doing uh, this call to be free, and we're going to look at Galatians 5. One of my favorite chapters of all Galatians. Well, actually, all of it. I love it. But five is good. I'm going to show you why. And I hope you've come ready. Um, I don't know if you guys are struggling or not. I don't know if you sense that the battle in worship as we started and then God broke through. Did you sense that too? You know how he just stays faithful? Because, you know, we need to come ready, don't you think? You know, he, he deserves my readiness. Not, huh? Yeah, he deserves my readiness. When I come, I want to hear from him. So I get ready. And how do I do that? Is that I keep myself quiet before I come to church. That means I, I seek him and I ask him, God, show me what it is. Now, I'm preaching here this morning, and there are some Sundays I don't. So I come anticipating that God will be speaking to me. Now, trust me when I tell you he's been speaking to me all week about this message, and so I'm ready to deliver it, and I know now it's really up to him to do what he does best. He anoints it and brings power. And so we are going to start now with the first verse that we had took that has been part of this series, is Galatians 5.13, where it says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Now, freedom... What a wonderful word, and we, I think it's awesome, but I think we crave for it, we want it, we long for it, and we desire to be free. Who does not want to be free here? Now, we sometimes think freedom is something in particular, but Galatians 5.1 says this, and ESV, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free, and it says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, this speaks of freedom we receive in Christ. But we see a lot of kind of definitions that are pushed in our society that freedom might be something like this. Freedom is being able to do what you want, when you want, without any rules. Sounds heavenly, doesn't it? 
But if I were to ask my, my friends in this church who ride their bikes to go on the highway and do on the opposite side of the highway, to go as fast as they want for as much, as long as they want, I think at the end of that travel, I don't think they would think that that would be freedom. That's unwise. Smack. So, but we understand that we have this, these funny concepts of what freedom should be. And so Galatians tells us the freedom is from Christ. And so we need to understand that in our society, we have this understanding that, you know, that freedom is actually doing what we want as we want it. But really, truly, that's just selfishness. Because if anybody, any of us have been honest enough in that when we are doing what we want it at every turn, the cost is great, not only to us, but to those that are in our lives. So I don't believe doing what we want when we want it is freedom neither. I think there is something to be had in this. And look, I look at the society where, you know, we have actually pushed out, you know, all truth. And because of it, we have seen a lot of chaos, a lot of wickedness, a lot of things. And we have a people who feel entitled to do what they want when they do it without understanding the consequences of their choice. Am I right? Is, am I seeing right? And so we are seeing this in our society. So what is freedom anyway? Well, believe it or not, the Bible talks about freedom quite a bit. But there are some of you today who've experienced and have become skeptic when it comes to the Bible and have become skeptic when it comes to God's people, his church, because of what you've experienced. But despite the unfortunate reality, God is really into freedom. He actually wanted to see the people of God that he created walk in freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. We received that freedom as we were ushered into his presence this morning as we were worshiping him. We sense a freedom to lift up our hands. And so where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom to worship him for who he is. From that verse, we can conclude that a, God wants us to be free from this verse here. B, some, uh, somehow his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, ushers in this freedom. Now, we see the hints of all of this understanding of freedom, where and how we get it throughout all of the Bible. But let me just go to John 8, 31, 32. Jesus offers insight on what freedom is. He says to people who are believing in him, he says, Jesus said to the, believe, to the people who believed in him, you are my disciples if you remain faithful. Other translations talks about if you continue in my word and, and you will know the, the no, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he says, if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now we need to note two things here. First, there is such a thing as truth. We have a truth, beloved. The truth is the absolute standard by which reality is measured. 
I've just listened to a podcast last week, and I listened to it many times, and it made me understand why we are in such a mess societally, like where we are in society, where the church is right now. And we have blinked, Lord. We have blinked on on a lot of things. We have compromised on this standard of truth so many times in our lives as a church, as a society, that we are finding ourselves totally lost in a perversion of what's going on in, in where we live. You would agree with us that there is tremendous wickedness right now. There is tremendous darkness where we go to work, where we go, everywhere. Our homes are being invaded through the internet, invaded through all areas. So we know that the standard of truth has been actually pushed out. And we as a people of God, we have not been standing on that standard of truth very well. Because if we had, then our society, the neighborhood that we live in, would be affected in a greater measure. Would you agree? All right. We live in a society that denies absolute truth, claiming this. What's true for you may not be true for me. But truth is not based on our feelings, our experience, or desires. Truth is God's viewpoint on every matter. And it is not subject to redefinition. How many times we redefine God's truth in our life because it just doesn't suit our need? How many times do we do the beloved? You want to know why you're not free? I can probably trace it back in my life when I am overwhelmed, when I'm walking in fretting or worried. I can trace it back that I'm not lining up to God's viewpoint somewhere. Either God is God or he is not. And we've tried to stand, to stand in the middle and change and fudge the lines on God. And that is why many people are spiritually enslaved today. They're physically, mentally, and emotionally under strongholds, even though they are people of God. Am I getting your attention this morning? You see, freedom was always given to us through Christ. It doesn't change the cross. It was finished. The message cannot be undone. And yet we find ourselves that we are defining God's viewpoint in our lives more and more. But God has been awakening us, has he not? God has been calling us back to the truth of his word. What is true? The answer we see, as we saw throughout the whole series, is Jesus. That's why Paul fought so hard against the false teachers and the the Judaizers and all of these people that came and wanted to add things and remove things from the message of the gospel. He contended for the faith for a reason. When you listen to his epistles, when you look at his heart in Romans, and when you go through to all of the the books, you get to understand. He's saying, hey, beloved, stop fudging the line on God. We have to stand in that place of truth if we want to live out in freedom. You see, people don't want what we have because so many of us are struggling in our own bondage. Now, I'm not saying that we don't struggle. Oh, my goodness, I can write a book. But what I do with it is really how I'm going to be free or not. If I go and get God's viewpoint when I'm struggling, I can guarantee you I am going to be free. There's no if or not. No, I am going to be free because that's the power of the gospel. Now, God's truth, like we should never forget. So the first thing is that we we know there's a truth. The second thing is that we know the truth results in genuine freedom. We know truth. Truth says if you know it, you, you, you will be set free. That's what it says. So we must never forget that Jesus said what Jesus said in John 8. 
God's truth sets us free, free from the ignorance of God and his purpose, free from the power of evil, from the wiles of, this, of Satan, and free from our sinful nature. You see, I think that's why many of us don't like getting in the word, because the word actually will give you God's viewpoint on what you're going through. We don't want to seek. We don't want to wait. We don't want to do that. And I'm not angry, by the way. I'm just very passionate because, you see, I'm tired of seeing God's people in bondage. I'm tired of them not walking in freedom, authority, and power. Because, you see, this word tells me we should. This word tells me we should be walking in power and also affecting everybody that we see. I know that I am not there yet, but I'm understanding my longing and my desire is to walk in the presence of the Spirit, which I'm going to be talking about in a few minutes. But truth is important. I can't be led by the Holy Spirit if I don't know what the Word of God is telling me. Truth alone doesn't liberate. Rather, the knowledge of truth liberates. Now, a lot of us, we get a lot of information, but we don't walk with it intimately. What I'm saying here is that we don't hang out with it. We read the word and we just go along our merry way the way we want to go, walking the way we feel we want to walk, not walking according to God's viewpoint, and we are always actually landing at the same address, enslaved. See, the Bible says everything is permitted, but not everything is useful. And Paul says, I make it a point that I don't get myself enslaved. Romans 6 says, I never bow down to anything else but to be a, right, a, a vessel of righteousness, because whatever you surrender to, you will become enslaved to, whatever you obey. And so I don't want to obey things that are, are against God's viewpoint, because then I'm going to be enslaved. Are you getting that? Truth is very important when it comes to freedom. And we need to, so, so deliverance and freedom comes when we hang out in what God has said. When this happens, we will experience truth setting us free from any kind of bondage. So when I am, it was just last week or the week before, I found myself with, and I'm just going to be totally truthful, I, I came to a place of, I was very angry. Uh, my kids know I'm angry because I'm silent. And <laughs> they, go, they go, are you okay? I'm silent. That means <laughs> don't come near me. I'm angry. The Bible doesn't say you can't get angry. But it says don't sin in it. So I tap into the fruit of the Spirit and say, oh, give me self-control because I'm about to tear someone's head off. <laughs> and so I spent my whole day just struggling on God's viewpoint on this one because my viewpoint was that I wanted to seek justice. Have you ever felt that? Oh, my goodness, I needed someone to hear me out. And sometimes it's good just to process things, isn't it? But beloved, at the end of the end, you always have to yield to God's viewpoint. Isn't that true? Because a lot of people say, hey, you don't listen. Oh, I've listened. But are you willing to hear what I have to say? Because really, God's viewpoint is all that's going to keep you from staying enslaved to the anger. So as the days went on, I started going, okay, I'm yielding. I'm not going to, God's, to Mona's point of view. I'm going to God's point of view. By the time Sunday came along, I realized I was in freedom. I wasn't walking enslaved by what had happened on Friday. I had really wonderfully just said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this one, even though the injustice is just killing me. Have you ever experienced injustice, beloved? Oh, I experience it so often. There are times it just, it just chokes me. And sometimes it's what robs my peace and my joy. You see, nobody's allowed to take my peace and my joy unless I give it out. 
And so that's what freedom is all about. Today, many people are living in spiritual slavery without realizing it. They chase after false gods of money, success, personal comfort, and romantic love, only to realize that they are still and very much in feeling the emptiness because it never feels those things, does it? If I had time today, I would also like to expose why so many of God's people and God's children are not experiencing freedom because they are caught up in following wrong beliefs. They're following the wrong beliefs and therefore their behaviors demonstrate it because you see what you believe will affect the way you behave. And so sometimes when I behave and I'm behaving unruly or I'm not behaving like God or Christ-like, I have to go back to what I am thinking. Are you getting that? John 8, 36 says this. It's hot here. Uh, Can you put some air conditioning or something? Can you do that for me, anybody? Um, is it just me? Yes. It's just me. Hot flash, yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, that husband of mine. Uh, yeah, just put me on the spot. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's just move on. John 6:36 says, so if the sun sets you free... Say it with me. You will be free indeed. Now, if we believe that, we would never struggle with the, with the behaviors that we're going through. We would never struggle or stop or be hooked up with all of the habits that we have formed, all of the emotions that come up and all of these moments. Because we all have moments, beloved. But if I always look for God's viewpoint in these moments, I know the end is going to be freedom. Always and always because of what this scripture does. So what does Jesus say would set us free? It's knowing the truth about the son, the person of truth. And that is why throughout all of the series, we saw Paul tell him, who has bewitched you? Who has confused you? Who has turned you away from the truth? And we do that, don't we? We hang out with the wrong people who speak things they should not be speaking in our lives. And we're wondering why we're still oppressed. We're wondering why discouragement is part of our, our actually our, our mandate of what we see, our negative thoughts that keep on following us everywhere we go. Beloved, we need to understand that God can't and would and has set us free from the negative thoughts, from bitterness, from unforgiveness, from moral failures, from anger, from resentment, from envy, from discontent. God has done it through the cross. And Jesus, that's why he says, let's not change the message because if we change the message and the people of God will be ineffective and caught off guard. If it's the truth that sets us free, then we need to know that God says we need to stand firm on the truth. Only the Son can set us free. Based on these scriptures we've looked at, we can pull out several things to help us get free and maintain our freedom. For true freedom, we need the living word and the written word. The living word and the written, uh, written word. The living word is Jesus. There's only one reason why Jesus came, died, and rose again, and that was to set us free. 
He provides for us the legal freedom from sin through the atoning death of his cross. We no longer stand condemned before God. Remember what we heard? We are approved. We're loved. We're not only that. We're accepted. We're justified. We're forgiven. We're warmly welcomed into his kingdom. Why is it that we listen to the accusations of the enemy? Why is it when he lies to us boldly about what our God can do for us, we agree with his lies? Beloved, we have to stand firm now in the freedom that Christ has given us. And if we're not sure why, you only have to go back to what is your viewpoint. If it is of this world, you're going to stay bound in bondage. If it's from your flesh, you're going to stay enslaved. But if you go to the word of God and you say, God, I am not moving until this becomes who I am because you said it. So he provides all things. Galatians 5 says, stand firm in the freedom that Jesus has won for you. It is not based on your education. It's not based on your upbringing. It's not based on your circumstances. It doesn't depend on your environment. It doesn't depend on your good behavior or that you have a good day or a bad day. Your freedom is there because Christ already won it for you. It doesn't matter how many consecutive Sundays you've attended here for all those that went, yay, for Colossians, or Galatians, I should say, then it won't matter if you're not surrendering to the truth that God is showing you. You see, our freedom is not circumstantial. I said it from this pulpit over and over and over again. Nobody has the power to remove the freedom that God has given me. Nobody can move me unless I let them. And the only way we waver and we compromise, why we compromise is because somewhere down the road, we don't have the right viewpoint. It says, faith and grace says, if I believe in my heart, then the freedom is mine. This is what we say. This is the only thing that is required in the new covenant is to believe. That's why unbelief keeps us in a place of unrest. No freedom. Also, our freedom is not conditional. Christ said, I want you to be free. I want to, set you, I want to set you free. And then I want you to stay free. That was his heart. He didn't do all of that work and died a horrible death so that we can actually struggle with bondage for the rest of our life. No, 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 no. I think there should be a progression where we do actually experience the freedom of struggle. There's freedom of the sinful nature, the habits. I think there should be some because where do we get our hope? We must not give away the liberty that Christ has won for us on the cross. We are already, as I said, approved and accepted, justified. We are made right. We are loved. We're forgiven. And we are adopted as we heard last week by Doug. All through his grace and all through his love. You see, beloved, when I'm going through something and I can't see straight, I have to push everything at the backdrop of the cross. It's all about love. When I experience his love again, I actually yield to his viewpoint because no one has loved me like he has loved me. When Jesus says, I want, to, want you to stay free, he wants you to stand. What does he want you to stand on? The written word. We talked about the living word, now the written word. 
Now, we need to stand against the lies of the enemy with that word. We need to stand against the flesh who wants to do everything against God with that word. We need to stand against the world's messages that tell us it's okay to watch this. It's okay to do this. Everybody's doing it. No, we need to stand on the written word. If we want to experience freedom, we need to stand on that word. John 8 says that you need to remain faithful to his teaching and continue it continue in it. Do you see the threat? See, your theology will affect how you live. It will affect how you trust in Christ. Theology is the basic belief system. This is why we must know the word of God. Now, let me show you Galatians 5, 7, and 9. It says here, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to Are you seeing this? Is it just me? I get so excited when you see a truth that tells you Mona never settle for less. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. You want to know why we compromise? Is that somewhere there's a little yeast going on. Somewhere there's a little something that has caused you to not believe that God loved you, that he is not good, that he will not provide, that he will not keep you or defend for you. See, Paul fought hard against mixture, against false teacher, against lies of the enemy. You see it through all of his epistles. Jesus' work on the cross was enough to experience, for us to experience freedom from spiritual bondage, from physical, emotional, and mental strongholds. I hear it a lot when I go to the addiction center. They say, well, do you believe that everybody can be free? And I went, you bet. I believe it. I will never stand in a place where I actually put a tombstone on people's heads. Listen, I've gone through too many of you have actually embraced the things you should not embrace, and I see you go right down to that dark place. You leave the congregation of, of understanding, and you go into the congregation of death. I've seen it way too many times, but I also saw God pluck you out. His faithfulness, his pursuing, coming to get you and pulling you right back into light. The question is, would you let him? I think that's what it is. Sometimes it takes too long because we're not letting him. Because his viewpoint is, I'm for you, not against you. I'm for you, not against you. How will we stand in this freedom? Ephesians 1, 13, 14 says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. All of you are hearing the message of truth today, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and to his glory. Galatians 5, 5 says this, Gives us another hint of how we're going to stay free and stand firm in our freedom for through the Spirit. The true Christian is one who simply trusts that through the Spirit we can pretty much do anything. Through the Spirit we will be free. He knows the person who understands who, what the Spirit does knows that Jesus has everything that, that has done everything that we need through the cross. He knows that we stand on what God has saying, and one day God is going to bring us all blameless. You see, it's not up in our strength to bring ourselves blameless to God when he comes back. That's the Holy Spirit's job. This is what a promise is when God says to us in Jude 1. 
to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before this, his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. To him who is able. So for all of you who are struggling with sinful habits, for all of you who have bowed down and become enslaved to things you know you should have not been, I'm telling you there is no condemnation coming from Christ. What he's telling you now is get God's viewpoint on this. He says, every time you get my viewpoint, I will bring you and present you. I will bring you to the end and you are going to be okay. Jesus kept his word when he says, I want you to stay free. He gave us his spirit, but we have to do our part in staying free and maintaining freedom. Galatians 5.16 says this, so I say, walk in the spirit and you will not what? Gratify the desires of your flesh. Galatians 8.18 says, but if you, Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit. You see, all of these things are invitations to choose to believe that God has already broken whatever's on you right now. You see, that's why I never make it about my failure. I don't make it about my struggle. I don't make it about my mistakes because I make it about what the Spirit can do in my life. He's the same power that rose him from the dead and he remains in me. My job now is to learn to live and to walk with him if I want to maintain or experience freedom. That is the key of the new covenant. He says, he's given us uh, the spirit who directs us in living a life of freedom that is pleasing to him. However, we, can't forfeit, we can forfeit our liberty by selfishly choosing our way instead of God's way. And it's like we go, duh. Is that why I'm still in bondage after 16 years of hearing truth? Really? God has not called us to slavery. He's called us to freedom. Charles Stanley says this, to live the Christian life is to allow Jesus to live his life, Holy Spirit, in and through us. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been uh, united with him. His likeness and holiness are present within your life, and he empowers you to resist temptation. So for us to see our inadequacy and to walk in fear with God tells me you don't understand this. You've been united. Your sin has been united with God. Your failures have been united with Christ. I don't make it about that. I make it about the power that's in me that will give me the resistance I need against temptation, that will give me the strength I need to say no to the flesh because I want to be free. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the life of Jesus in you. So if you're down, despondent, discouraged, fearful, and anxious today, I am telling you, your hope is finally letting Jesus' life flow through you. We are putting a stop on this, not God. You have to stop hindering the life of Jesus in you. If you don't know what that looks like, Get God's viewpoint, because when you're doing something and it doesn't line up to God, what usually happens, beloved? Eh. Eh. Oh. <laughs> you're going, oh, I must have heartburn. No. 
not. It's the Holy Spirit saying, what are you doing, beloved child? Why are you judging right now as you're sitting there? Why are you sending out some bad curses to someone? I hope they feel bad. Oh, my goodness, I had an issue with bitterness for years. I was hoping they'd get hurt. And so God said, I don't do this to you. Why would you be doing this to anybody else? Oops. God is good. He's good. We must have faith that we can remove ungodly, he can remove ungodly strongholds within our hearts and that he will continuously work to set us free from all sin and bondage. Our hope has to be, we have to put our confidence. Our wives can't do it. Our husbands can't do it. I don't care how sweet my husband is, man. I am so blessed. But the fact is, he could never actually take God's place for me. It had to be God, then my husband, then everything else. But God has been so good. He says to me, he will continuously work to set me free. See, your responsibility is to say no to sin and yes to him as he provides all-encompassing liberty that your soul craves. Who doesn't crave to be put out from the flesh? I don't know about you, but the flesh is so self-centered. It always wants what it wants. But you know what? That's why you're not free. God said, I put to death. The, the chains have been broken. The power and dominion of your sinful nature, it's been broken. Why do you feed it? Why do you give in? Stand up. Stand firm against it. Let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do. When we are in union with Christ, the Holy Spirit's primary responsibility is to produce his likeness to us. I don't have to try. I just have to let go and let him. He teaches us how to be totally dependent on God. When, and when that, is, when that happens, we get an overflow of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control for those who have issues with self-control. Could it be you're saying no to the Holy Spirit? Could it be the reason why you're not moving in one area of your life that God's point of view is not vetoed there? It doesn't belong there. It, you don't let him there. Beloved, you can sit there all you want for another 20 years, but I'm hoping you're going to get this. If I say yes to him, freedom will come. Maybe not instantly, but I know, because you see, he doesn't lie. What he says is true. I'm coming to an end by, I know it doesn't look like I'm coming to an end. And maybe you don't want me to come to an end. There's something good at the end. Not. I'm not. <laughs> No, really, I'm just joking. Really, just joking. I think I had coffee. Not good. <laughs> I'm not gonna. It's my last Sunday before vacation, so you have absolutely no choice but to forgive me. <laughs> That's God's viewpoint on that one. So, so here we're seeing all of these fruit, and this is what we see in Galatians 5.22. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot generally produce these qualities on our own because the sinfulness mars them. Rather, the Holy Spirit is the producer, and we are merely the bearers. You see, when I am gracious, when I am loving, don't look to me. Look to the Holy Spirit. Because somewhere down the road, I'm saying yes to him. When I am able to persevere and have long suffering, when I just want to go like this, say thank you to the Holy Spirit because I said yes to him. See, 
However, when we are completely relying upon the Lord and obey the promptings of his spirit, they flow, these, these fruit-like things, qualities, they flow from us freely and they draw other people to him. The harvest that results of, from our walking with him reveals the freedom that comes and freedom from restlessness, anxiety, fear, from loneliness, from resentment, from anger. Galatians 5.25, and this is my last verse, says this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, this shows us that living and walking in the Spirit are different. Live in the Spirit emphasizes the believer's position in Christ. See, that freedom is positioned. We are there. It's ours. We don't have to fight for it. We don't have to, you know, fend for it. It's ours. We're positioned in Christ if we've said yes by faith to what Jesus has done at the cross and how he rose again and sat at the right hand of the Father. If you are them today, if you are a believer of Jesus, and if you have struggled with doubts that you could ever get free, I am telling you, according to these scriptures, we can if you are a believer of God. He says here, living in the Spirit, is, the emphasis is the believer's position in Christ, but the term to walk in the Spirit focuses on the believer's lifestyle. The believer appropriating the, that identity by faith, allowing the Holy Spirit to give him power and victory over daily sins and over the flesh. It's just that allowing the power of God to do it. God has given us life in his Holy Spirit. The question is, this is the last question, are you ready? Will we now, by faith, allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, accomplishing his will, his viewpoint, his truth? Will we walk in the Spirit, depending on him, and yielding ourselves to him, no matter how long it takes, because we know we are people of hope and people are under grace. We are going to wait because our confidence is based on who God is. And we know that when we are dependent on him, he'll do whatever he has to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Our picture that we saw here as we were going, this is the end of the message of the new covenant, even though we have one more part left. It talks about how faith brings us to that place of freedom where we come and we believe and we rely upon and we trust it and we follow through on it. You see, faith without action is not faith at all. Faith will always require that we actually do something in regards to stepping into the truth of what is ours, and that is our new life. Our new life says that we have a new nature in us. That's the Holy Spirit that awakens us and prompts us and yearns for us to come closer to God. He will give us a new heart that is actually wanting to please him, a mind that is renewed by his word. He's going to give us a family and a new way and a new path to walk so we don't have to worry about what's coming tomorrow because we know he is in our tomorrows. We don't have to worry about those things. We also know that he's given us a new identity. And many of us are so tripped up on our old identity, we don't understand the power we have through the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to live and to walk, and it's a choice to do so at this point. As we listen to this song today, 
I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is one of the God's most precious gifts to his beloved children. He takes up residence within the believer at the moment of salvation. Do you have all of the Spirit in you? Yes, you do. He will empower you to overcome sin and live with a godly purpose in your life. However, the Spirit's power can be turned off or ignored. Have you turned it off or have you ignored his promptings? For some of you today, it's because you need to actually make that decision to turn your life over to him. You need to let go of your control and say, God, I, have, I can't manage this. I'm powerless to change myself. Because really, truly, inside can only be changed by God. But for those who have known Jesus and you're hooked up and you've embraced some things that are not according to his viewpoint, you would have experienced a lack of freedom. I'm to tell you today, Jesus hasn't changed his mind on you today. He has a place for you. Only those who choose to walk with him have unhindered access to his strength and guidance. Are you looking for strength? Are you looking for guidance? Then take away the hindrances. Stop turning him off. Stop ignoring his life. The song we're going to sing today is The Goodness of God. I want you to sing that song with us. Then I'm going to come back. I'm going to give you a nugget before you leave. Amen? Do you understand that God is for you today? Truly, he has been good to us. Christ says to you today, I want you to be free. I want to set you free. And I want you to stay free. That's his heart for you. From cover to cover, God's word points to freedom in Christ. And God doesn't leave us wondering how to grab a hold of the freedom. He offers his written word. He offers his spirit. And he offers his family. It starts with acknowledging our brokenness and admitting that we are slaves to sin. See, pride and hypocrisy keeps us in a path of slavery. Rebellion causes us not to get God's viewpoint. And in the end, when we choose Jesus and we follow him daily, we will, it's a guarantee, experience freedom. Only he can break the bonds of slavery and lead us to the true freedom for now and forever. And it takes us understanding. It's just that we have to stop turning him off. And if that is what God has been showing you today, remember, he's safely bringing you home by exposing it. He's safely loving you exactly where you are. And he says, beloved, don't fret the past. Choose today. And as you choose to go forward, letting the Holy Spirit lead you, no matter what mess you're in, I am telling you, no matter what I have faced, I remember the life that's in me, in me. And I pray, Holy Spirit, give me understanding and wisdom. And every time, he gives it to me. If I'm in trouble, I say, Holy Spirit, give me the empowerment I need to let go and to get your viewpoint on this one because I'm not losing an inch. He says, stand firm, therefore. And don't submit to slavery again. Oh, my goodness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you and I praise your name. God, your word was loud and clear today. God, you are calling out for your people to rise up again. God, you're not pointing the finger. You are actually calling them to look up and to go forward because there is a mission and assignment for us to come in the days to come. God, I know, Lord, that you want to anoint them. I know, Lord, that you want to bless them. I know that you want to set them free, but they have to believe once again, Lord. Believe that the freedom is already given to them through Christ, and all they have to do now is to learn how to say yes and follow. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to teach us how to walk in the spirit in the days to come. And we're going to teach each other, God. We're going to keep each other accountable. It's easy to walk isolate, God, because we don't have anybody speaking to us. But, oh, God, it had so, so caused us to stay in a place of slavery. God, I'm asking today, Lord, we would see the three things, your written word, the living the living spirit that lives in, in us, and the family that you've given us to keep us free. Oh, God, thank you. Forgive us, Lord, for making light of these three things that you've given us. And Lord, we ask, Lord, for a special blessing upon them and that you would keep them in Jesus' name. Amen.